Hello and welcome to day 82 of our Bible reading course, where we follow the story of Paul's first missionary journey. Today's passage is Acts chapters 13 and 14. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are worthy of all worship and honour. Be glorified in my life today, including this time now, I ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They travelled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. From Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga they went on to Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a word of exhortation for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power he led them out of that country. For about forty years he endured their conduct in the wilderness. And he overthrew seven nations in Canaan, giving their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about four hundred and fifty years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for forty years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. 
Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you suppose I am? I am not the one you are looking for. But there is one coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Fellow children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognise Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is also stated elsewhere, you will not let your Holy One see decay. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. 
There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews, together with their leaders, to ill-treat them and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lycaonian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the gospel. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet! At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The story of Cornelius is immediately followed by that of the church in Antioch, which lay over 200 miles north of Israel in the Roman province of Syria. It was the third largest city in the empire, with a population of about half a million people, including many Jews. It's also the first recorded city where the gospel was preached to both Jew and Gentile, 
so birthing a church that was ethnically mixed. Barnabas and Saul based themselves there for 12 months, teaching and building up the believers. At the end of that year, they're called by God to embark on a missionary journey. It happens during a time of worship, fasting and prayer. No surprise there. They begin in Cyprus, the home island of Barnabas, where Luke makes two important changes in his narrative. Firstly, he starts referring to Saul as Paul. This is significant because whereas Saul was a Hebrew name, after Israel's first king, Paul was a Roman name, more appropriate for the Gentile audiences he would increasingly work amongst. Secondly, it's now Paul and Barnabas rather than the other way around, indicating that he was now the leading figure in the missionary context. As the people of Lystra observed, Barnabas was more the pastoral, encouraging type, while Paul did most of the preaching. After a dramatic visit to Cyprus, the two of them then sail north to the mainland of Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. Here we see a pattern start to develop, which will continue into Paul's future travels. They begin by going to the local synagogue and preaching that Jesus is Israel's Messiah. Some Jews are persuaded and become believers, but others become angry and even jealous, stirring up trouble. As a result of this, Paul and Barnabas turn their attention to the Gentiles, who receive the gospel gladly. But continued opposition means they eventually have to move on elsewhere. It's interesting to note the different approaches Paul takes with those he's preaching to. In Pisidian Antioch, so called to distinguish it from the one in Syria, he speaks to Jews in the synagogue and uses the language of justification and the law of Moses. In Lystra, however, addressing pagan Gentiles, he urges them to turn from their idols to the living God, who has always shown his kindness to them through the provision of rainfall, crops and food. It seems that Paul tailors his words to each new audience, even though it's the same gospel. We also notice his reference to one of the servant songs in Isaiah, which speaks of being a light to the Gentiles and bringing salvation to them. The church in Antioch contained prophets who were involved in discerning God's call to mission for Paul and Barnabas. Is there still a role for prophets in today's church? And if so, what is it? Can I think of anyone who has this gift in my church? Paul and Barnabas' consistent experience on this and other missionary journeys was that the good news of Jesus produced both positive and negative responses. For many of us, however, the possibility of receiving a rejection from someone we talk to often prevents us from sharing our faith in the first place. How can I overcome this natural reluctance so that however many people say no to me, even just one might say yes and receive the gift of eternal life? Paul told each new group of believers that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. What do you think he meant by this? And why do we not give up on faith because of such difficulties? 
Lord God, my Heavenly Father, I praise you for the good news of the Gospel, the forgiveness of sins and new life in Jesus. Thank you for the impact and difference it has made to me since I first received it, and help me to find creative and relevant ways of sharing its call and its hope to those I live and work amongst. And I take a moment to pray for the country of Turkey, currently setting itself up increasingly as an Islamic state, for Christians there, and the handful of churches, to remain faithful to you and take whatever opportunities you provide to witness to their families, friends and communities, that a harvest may come. I also commit Lawrence and Millis Wilson to you at this time, who live in the city mentioned right at the end of the reading, Atalia, now known as Antalya. Lead and guide them in your love and purposes. In Jesus' name. Amen.